church. It's good to be here. Now, I need to rearrange a few things here. Not the least important are these things, because if I actually need to look at my notes, I'm going to need to look through these. Right. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I was part of a team that was, uh, was teaching uh, an intensive at uh, here, table here in Adelaide, um, a postgraduate unit in discipleship. And um, it's kind of a complicated story about how I got sort of caught up in that and part of that team, but uh, I'm not going to bore you with that story this morning. But what struck me about that week was that we had quite a number of people there from all over the place. Um, who were experienced ministers, they were past guys who had been pastors for, for many years and uh, some of them were simply formalising their experience in the form of postgrad qualifications and that kind of thing. And uh, we used during this, this intensive, we used what's often called the sort of inverted classroom sort of model where the facilitator of the, uh, of the course introduces the subject and then shuts up and lets everyone talk and guides the discussion, of course. And of course that works very well when you have people who have some experience or have thought through some things. And uh, it's also really fantastic because the facilitator gets to learn a lot as well. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a bit uh, less interesting when you know, you're the teacher, at, uh, you're lecturing um, a class and it's all coming out of your mouth and um, they, they either listen or they fall asleep or, or whatever they do. And, uh, but the lecturer doesn't learn a whole lot in that process. But I learned a great deal during this, uh, this post-grad intensive at Tabor a few weeks ago. Now, while I'm not going to be talking about all the kinds of things we talked about during that week, we've only got a good little less than a week anyway, um, <laughs> some of the things I'm going to say this morning are, are inspired by thoughts I had during that week as I listened to some of these guys uh, talk about the way they'd wrestled um, with um, discipleship in their churches over the years. And uh, some of that stuff was, uh, was really quite fascinating. I want to begin with some words that uh, perhaps, well, I, I hope perhaps they're, they're familiar to, to many of them. We have uh, in Matthew chapter 28, um, Jesus has told his disciples to go and, go and meet him on a mountain in Galilee and off they go and they're anticipating something. You know, the, the events of the last few weeks have been just mind-blowing. Uh, first, Jesus was killed when they didn't really expect him to be, and then, <laughs> against all expectations, he came back to life. And they, they kind of, after he came back to life, they went, oh, yeah, he said that, didn't he? But, you know, they'd forgotten that. <laughs> and uh, they were really uh, devastated when he died and shocked when he rose. And this is, they're, they're thinking, okay, they, they know this guy's the Messiah. They, know, they believe in him. That's why they're following him. And he's, he's died and he's come back to life. And now he wants us to meet him on that mountain. And, whoa, what's going to happen? They are, you know, they're really pumped up there. Talk about expectation. You know, these guys, <laughs> these guys are ready to go. And um, it, it's the time that, that Jesus is, is taken up into heaven. Before he leaves, he says a few things, a few small things. Um, he, he talks about uh, all uh, authority being given to him uh, and he says in verse 19 of Matthew 28 therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age 
Now, many of you will know those words or will have heard those words a few times before or will have read them. Um, often what they lead to, in fact, is a discussion of, uh, of evangelism. Um, making disciples, of course, is... Um, you know, we, we talk about, okay, how can we go and share our faith with other people? That's, that's part of making disciples. Um, but often the discussion then kind of goes to being a disciple of Jesus, which is important. We, we, we should all be disciples of Jesus. Um, but I have to say that being a disciple of Jesus is only part of the job, so to speak. If I were to ask a group such as, as you guys, um, probably uh, you know, many of you in here are, are Christians, and I would, if I asked you, do you consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus, I suspect that many of you would you'd say, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I'm a disciple of Jesus, um, because that's what a, a Christian is, isn't it? Okay, a disciple of Jesus. But if I were to ask you how many of you consider yourself to be disciple-makers... I suspect the positive response would be smaller. Mm? And that would be normal. <laughs> That's how many churches in our country and other countries are. There are a lot of people in those churches who are disciples of Jesus. There are some who are not disciples of Jesus. But there are many who are disciples of Jesus and who love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, soul and strength. And they may even pray regularly and read the Bible regularly. But they do not consider themselves to be disciple makers. And if you talk to them about being disciple-makers, they begin to feel a bit uncomfortable and a bit at sea and they're really not sure what that means or they're really not sure how to do that. If they think they do know what it means, they don't know how to do it or they think that's not me. Okay, And that is fairly common. That's normal. And if I'm not going to ask that question. I'm <laughs> not going to get you to put up your hands. But if I did, I suspect the results would be normal. Okay? And... That's okay. Now, I guess the, the qu we could ask questions about um, why that is. I mean, I'm the, I'm the sort of person that wants to ask questions about why that is. Okay, well, I, 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 I never just <laughs> accept an answer like that. I want to know why, 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 why. And, and perhaps it's because there is this misconception of what being a disciple maker really is. Okay, people have this idea of being a disciple maker is that thing and I'm not that thing or I can't be that thing. Perhaps there's a bit of that. Um, perhaps in some places people haven't heard that they're supposed to be disciple makers. That's another possibility too. That's not um, something that's commonly talked about in, in many churches. But I guess when we start talking about being disciple makers... I guess we need to know what that is, right? And it includes a whole lot of things. You know, I guess if I were to sum it up in one line, it's moving people closer to God, right? That's what making disciples is. Now, if someone doesn't know God at all um, and you're moving them closer to God, you're, you're moving them closer to a decision to follow Jesus and there may be a point where you're moving to the point where they say, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus. 
Um, or if they've already said, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus, making disciples means still pushing them along that way a bit. So they get to know Jesus better and they become um, more full of, of Jesus' love and, and characteristics and, and the fruit of the Spirit and they become more knowledgeable about uh, um, how the influence of the Holy Spirit in their lives and, and so on it goes, up and up. And there is never a point where you can't you know, move further along the line. Okay, um, you know, I, 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 I have this right to put PhD after my name and doctor before it, but you know, I could still move further up the line. Okay, and that's people with PhDs make mistakes. In fact, I've read stuff written by people with PhDs that's just nonsense. Okay, it, it's possible, right? And I say that as a person with one of those lovely degrees. Okay, um, <laughs> you can always move further up the line. Okay, so wherever you're at, making disciples is, is moving people closer to God. Yeah. I guess if I were to sum it up in, in, in one, little, um, one little sentence. Now, that's kind of, it's part of my job. You know, I, if I, I teach in a Bible college, I'm doing that. Yeah, it's part of making disciples, yeah. right? But there's more to making disciples too than that, isn't there? Because we all live in a community. Now, I'll come back to that in a minute because it really makes a big difference you know when we we think about making disciples a lot of people's minds go straight to the the topic of evangelism and that's that's good it's it's a very important part of making disciples because there's a whole lot of people at this end of the line who haven't got to the point where they've said yeah i'm going to follow jesus okay so it's a big part of making disciples there's also a big part up here as well but that's a big part of making disciples and what often happens when people use the word evangelism is there are a lot of people out there who have certain backgrounds certain personality types like me who go "Ooh, that sounds scary yeah i hope this i'm not the only one because <laughs> that's certainly where i've been where i am a lot of the time okay but, you see, there are people out there, and after all, let me, uh, let, let, let me just find a few verses that, that talk about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are people who are really gifted at that kind of thing. Yeah? And if we read, say, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 4, it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. Now... To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. And, and so on it goes. Okay? And there's all these lists of different gifts that are given to different people. And the implication there is that we don't all have the same gifts. Right? And, and there's a whole lot of people out there who have been given this gift of the gab, you know, <laughs> this, <laughs> this ability to just draw people into their world and have them in five seconds flat, have them, have them talking about what they want to talk about. And that is a fantastic gift. You know, I, and, and I know a person like that, um, Greg, uh, Greg Hart. I first met him in Johannesburg, actually. He's been a missionary in Mozambique for the last 11 years and I met him about five years ago when ACC missionaries got together in Johannesburg. Um, 
and uh, got to like Greg, had a, had a good yarn with him uh, several times over those few days we were there together in Johannesburg and I met him again, I've met him several times over the last few years but I met him again just a few weeks ago on the Gold Coast at the ACC National Conference that I, I went up for and um, we, I was just catching up with Greg the last few years and before Greg became a missionary, Greg was a sales rep. Uh, now, in the last 11 years that Greg has been working in Mozambique, he, if he wants to get a project going and he needs funding for that project, he gets the money. Oh, and I don't like that. I just, it's not my scene. It just, it just seemed unfair. You know, there I am in Kenya and I, some of the project funding never came. You know, it was just, this guy knows how to sell. And he, he said to me quite, quite bluntly, he said, look, I haven't changed jobs since I became a missionary, you know? It's the, it's the same thing. I just, I'm talking about a different thing, but it's the same. <laughs> but for him, that's his gift. And just at the, the ACC conference, there was one evening where they sort of had a bit of a reception um, for missionaries and the ACC national exec and a few other real heavies were, were there and uh, they were coming up the stairs over there and I'm standing talking to Greg here and he says, oh, I see the exec are coming out over there. I'll tell you what, John, we need to just move just over there and he pointed out a spot on the carpet. And we need to stand over there and he said, two of us just chatting together is going to be great, much better than one person standing alone or a big group, just the two of us, stand over there. I said, whatever you say, Greg. Okay, we'll go and stand over there. But sure enough, about 60 seconds later, we're talking with Brian Houston, the chief exec of, of Hillsong International. And 30 seconds after that, Brian is enthusiastically asking Greg about his work in Mozambique and his plans for going to Kenya. And about 60 seconds after that, they're discussing in detail the projects that Greg has in mind for the next few years. You know? And I just stood there in awe, like, oh, man, how does this guy do that? Right? That's his gift. Yeah? And he is just so good, he can just drag people, even Brian Houston, drag people into his world and have them talking about what he wants them to talk about quite quickly. He can really do that. I can't. I have never been able to do that. I cannot do uh, Okay, I, I can sell. I can sell. I, I, can, I can follow, the, I can follow the, the formula. You know? I can follow the routine. I can read the script. I, I can do it. Yeah? Oh, but gee, it doesn't come natural. I tell, you, I tell you, it doesn't come natural. It's not me, okay? Now, I suspect I'm not alone in, in that regard. There's quite a lot of us who just don't have that gift. And that makes the idea of approaching people and talking about your faith just that much more scary, okay? Because you just don't have this gift to, to do that kind of thing. However, <laughs> I've got some good news. Oh, or maybe some of you will think it's bad news. Anyway, um, we all have different gifts. However, there is something that all believers are. There is something that all believers are. You want to know what that something is that all believers are? Yeah. Well, I'm going to turn back to Acts chapter 1. And it's uh, in these few verses at the beginning of Acts... Jesus, it's before Jesus goes up to heaven, it's after he's risen from the dead and he's talking with the disciples a number of times. And uh, his disciples ask him um, in verse 6, so, you know, are you going to restore the kingdom to, uh, to Israel? They were, thought that Jesus was going to get on, the thro- on David's throne in Jerusalem right then. 
And uh, Jesus says, well, no, it's not for you to know the, the hour for that. And um, he goes on to say, but, in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, my friends, even if you're not a sales rep, you're a witness. Yeah. Yeah. And all believers are witnesses. And that for me, as as I've sat and thought about that, that has kind of released me a lot, actually, because it means that I don't have to have Greg Hart's conning skills. Sorry, I, I shouldn't be so... It's just not my scene, okay? <laughs> He's really good at it. But I, I can still be a witness. I can still tell people what God has done for me. I can still tell people where I've been. I can still tell my story. I can still... I can share my, the hardships I've been through and say, this is what God did. Every, everybody can do that. Everybody can be themselves. You see, just being yourself. You who have the Holy Spirit in you. You who are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. All you need to do is be you. Okay? And as we saw on that intro, the, the, the TGIM, all right? Be you seven days a week. Yeah? Just be you. you don't have, I don't have to be Greg Hart. Okay, I don't have to come up with those. I don't have to know what spot on the carpet to stand on. I don't have to know the the psychology and the lines that he uses. I don't. Ha- I just have to be me. Right? I just have to tell my story. I just have to say what God has done for me because He's done plenty. Okay, over the years, and that's all that you and I have to do. We have to be a witness. Now. I've heard people say that, oh, I don't have, I don't have a testimony. I don't have marvellous things I can tell people. What are you doing here? Yeah, you, you don't have to have something that's marvellous. If you've turned up here this morning, you got out of bed on a Sunday morning and you're not enjoying the fantastic sunshine out there that's still out there for another few hours before the, the wet comes in, right, tonight, you're here instead. Why, why is that? Okay, there's a reason for that. There's something that motivated you to come here, and you need to share with people that motivation. What is it that motivated you to be here? What makes this place that important in your life? Why, why is that so? Okay, and maybe that's something you want to have a have a think through and and decide how you're going to express that in people's lives. But you see, the thing about a testimony is that it's yours. No one can take that away from you. I may never have some of the sales skills that some people have, but they're never going to have my testimony either. And they're never going to be where God has put me with the people he's put me with. And he's put me with those people for a very good reason, because I have the testimony that I have, because I am the witness that I am. And there is really something very special, it's mind-blowing in one sense, but really special about the fact that God knows where you are because he puts you there. Yeah. 
Yeah? You're not among the, your circle of acquaintances, your circle of friends. You're not in your family by accident. You are there because God put you there. And that, for me, is an incredible starting point. Because if it was all an accident or a mistake or something, you know, maybe the best thing is to get out of where you are. But you see, that's not the way it was. God has put you there for a good reason. And he knows who you are, right? And he knows the context you're in. And he knows how those two things go together. And it's up to us to find out, okay, what is the connection here between me and my context? How do they go together? I mean, part of my testimony is that many times during my life, I have, I've asked God, what are you doing? Right? Heck, if I was running the universe, I wouldn't do it this way. Yeah? And I don't like what's happening to me. I've said that to God a number of times. And yet, down the track, sometimes years later, I've, I've reflected on what's been going on and I've gone, that's what God was doing. That's what he was doing. And you see, God being outside time, he saw that. He knew that. He knew where he was going. I'm just going along the line within the restrictions of time and it takes for me to get this far through time to look back and go, aha, now I see what God saw all along. Yeah. So he's put you where you are in your context with your personality and your particular problems because he, he knows what they are. Yeah. Huh? That's why he put you there. <laughs> yeah. You know, the thing is, not only do we have a testimony, but we all have a life. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't got a life, you need to get one. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean... Seriously, I used to work for a finance company when I, I, I left uh, Adelaide Uni with an economics degree and I, I got a job in a finance company. And, and for the next five years, I was on this quite incredible roller coaster. My salary went, pew, my responsibilities went, pew, the amount of time I spent with my family went. And um, obviously, I spent some time with my family. My eldest Melody was conceived during that period, so obviously, <laughs> obviously some, something was going on, but um, you know, it. I didn't spend much time with my family, right? And I didn't have a life. I had a job, I had a career, I had money. I didn't have a life. So I, I changed that, okay? I, I left that place. I went and got another job where I could also have a life. I mean, if you haven't got, you haven't got one, you've got to get one, right? But, you see, we all do things. You're here for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning and there's another 166 hours in the week. You know? And we all do stuff during those other 166 hours that we're not here. And I guess the question is, is what is it we're doing? Now, I'm not talking about going and preaching on the street corner there. Okay? Although there are, sometimes there is a time and a place for that. There's a context. That's, that's good. Um, actually, I remember, uh, it's got to be 25 years ago now, I was a student at the Bible College of South Australia down at Highgate. I was living at Highgate and I was out for a walk one day up Fullerton Road and I just got myself my Farmers Union iced coffee and I was walking along sipping my iced coffee, enjoying the, the sunshine and there were these four or five guys standing on a corner, a side street off Fullerton Road and um, well-dressed, like nice slacks, shirt, 
um, and haircuts like this. And, and uh, these guys were, were taking it in turn, standing up preaching at the traffic as it was going past. And being a Bible college student, I thought, okay, I'm gonna oh, this is fascinating. I'm going to watch this. So there was a you know, shop on a corner and a windowsill kind of thing and I just kind of put my rear end down on the windowsill and sip my iced coffee and watch these guys across the street there preaching away. I was listening to what they were saying and I was fascinated by what they were saying and I was also uh, being a bit of a, a people study or I was watching the people walking by and the people driving by and not one head turned. <laughs> oh, there may have been some seeds planted that day while I was there but... They were planted while the people were doing anything but look at these guys as they walked past. You know, I'm not talking about that. There is perhaps a time and a place for that, but that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about the life we normally have, yeah, seven days a week. And, and Paul Bartlett, you saw that video earlier, he's coming in a couple of weeks. He has a lot to say about that. His book, Thank God It's Monday, is a great book, okay? Um, even if you absolutely cannot get there in a couple of weeks go find the book buy the book okay it's it's, it's really 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 good um, and uh, you see being a Christian is you know this it's not about Sunday okay often we we invest a lot of energy into making Sunday morning work I mean look at the equipment up here look at the people who have been involved the preparation that's gone into putting on this hour and a half two hours all right a lot of people have put in quite a bit of work and and yet you know out in the cafe we go out there afterwards and there'll be people working pretty hard out there to get the chips and the coffee out and what a lot of effort goes into that and that's good that's as it should be but that's not all that being a Christian is about and and sometimes we can get so caught up in this focal point our our meeting together which we need to do and needs to be of good quality and it needs to reach people and that's great and we should do all that but it's not all we do as Christians and that's that's Paul Bartlett's point in his books thank God it's Monday it's great you know now we can be Christians Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday at the, the National, ACC National Conference a few weeks ago Paul spoke for about 10-15 minutes very briefly and he talked about the use of social media um, by, uh, by Christians and he says often what he sees is you know people on a Sunday morning they'll put on Facebook this picture of you know raised hands and great church today I'm so excited I'm off to church and he said oh, that's good it's really good that your Facebook friends know that you're excited about going to church and you're going to church that day that's great that's good and then Monday there'll be another another post from the same person saying oh church yesterday was fantastic I really really enjoyed church yesterday and it, it's good that your friends know that you enjoyed church yesterday and then Tuesday there'll be another post saying oh look I've been really thinking about the, the message we had on Sunday and it's just touched me so much and that's really good that your friends know that the message on Sunday touched you. Wednesday, there's usually not a post, you know. It's kind of a bit far after Sunday and a bit far from the next Sunday. And Thursday, there's a message saying, hey, I'm really looking forward to church on Sunday. You know, and people do this. And, and what Paul was saying to us at the conference, he says, don't, don't do that. Uh, on Monday, post about something, somebody you met as a Christian on Monday and a conversation you had with somebody on Monday and and on Tuesday write about what God is doing on Tuesday on Wednesday you can write about what God is doing on Wednesday because there's more to being a Christian than 
turning up here on Sunday morning. And we all know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know already. But just we need to focus on the day we're in huh? and what God is doing in that day. What, God is, what is God doing for me? What, what is God doing for the people around me? And why have I ended up in this group of people on a Tuesday night? Um, yeah, some, you may never know. But just be you. Just be you. That, that Jesus person, that, that spirit-filled person. And just, just be you. Yeah. I mean, we've all got connections. <laughs> We're all part of a community. And if you find yourself, and it may be, and I've been like this from time to time over the years, you find yourself in a place where you actually don't connect with many non-Christians because maybe your, your work is with Christians like mine. Yeah? I'm a Bible college lecturer. <laughs> Those people I'm in contact with in my work, they're all Christians already. They're in Bible college. Yeah? And so if that's the case, just go find some non-Christians. Yeah, that's right. that's, that's really, I, I really I didn't, I didn't join the karate club. Uh, to, to be a witness for Jesus, actually. But, gee, it's a great opportunity. <laughs> and I don't have to... I, I just be me. People know what I do for a living. Yeah? And, I, and I talk with someone who also is a, is a university lecturer and, and talk with her about marking student papers and just being me. That's not... I'm not... It's, it's just I'm just talking about what I do, yeah. Just talking about who I am, and uh, of course people can take that or leave that. I uh, was told a story some years ago. Pastor Stephen Wyndham, who uh, uh, many years ago was the uh, senior pastor of a church I was was part of for many years in Melbourne. Um, pastor Steve now lives in England and. Um, is training church planters in Eastern Europe, actually. Great ministry he's got there. But many years ago, he was the senior pastor of what was then the Yarra Plenty Christian Centre that I was part of. And he told this story about how he'd gone to a, uh, I think it was a Victorian you know, ACC pastors meeting or something or other, and they'd had a speaker that day stand up the front and challenge the pastors who were assembled, saying, if your church closed today, who would cry? Who would be sad? And Steve says he was just utterly convicted because in, in his church there was good preaching, so he thought he was the preacher most of the time, um, and he was pretty sure it was theologically sound, and every now and again someone would put up their hand and get saved, and um, he thought that was all pretty good. There was good fellowship, there were some good Bible study groups, all that was going well, but he realised that in the community around his church... If the church closed, it's the church members would be upset. Um, but in the community around that church, outside the walls of that church building, there'd be a few people who lived near the church who would be celebrating because there'd be less noise on Sunday mornings. And apart from that, there'd be a few people who would say, Yarra what? Oh, you mean, oh they were open, were they? You know. And that really convicted Steve. I was just, here I am, my church is in this... It's a real big challenge. My church is here in a community and the community around me may not even know if the church closed. And the ones that did would be celebrating. You know, it's just the people inside the church who would be sad. And Steve said that just changed his thinking from that day onwards completely. And he started to engage much more with community groups 
um, in his community with the just the things that are out there and the groups that are out there in the community. There are dozens and dozens and dozens and, and the church members are members of them. Yeah, we're all members of them. And Steve, as a pastor, began to frequent them personally much more often. And it was a real case of him saying, okay, I work all day with Christians. It's about time I found a few non-Christians to talk to. Yeah. And that he could just, and for him, you know, the, the big line is, yeah, yeah, I'm a pastor. That's my church over there. And that's that you know, people know which box to put you in. But he can just talk about who he is and, and what he does and what his life's like. And we all need to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Because if we're all in our little, our, little <laughs> our little circles, if we're all doing that kind of thing, the impact of this church and this community will be enormous. Enormous. I mean, if we just, I mean, just don't have time this morning, but if we were to do a quick survey of all the people in the circles of all the people here, the number of people we come into contact between us in the community groups, and I'm not just, yeah, there's, there's always our families and that as well, but I'm talking about community groups in particular, sporting clubs, down the library, what, your, your circles. And all you have to do is be you. And to speak freely about, uh, about some things. You know, I, uh, I know that for me, relationships are the key. I, I, as I said, I'm not a sales rep. Cold calling is, is something I, I would do because, you know, it was a formula I had to use, but not something I like, not something I, I really do easily. But if you have a relationship with someone, that gives you a platform, it gives you a right to share your life with them. Now, if they have a perception that um, they're your project or something like that, that can be a problem. You need to, need to avoid that. But just, okay, in some relationships, they make it very clear. They don't want to hear. They don't want to know that part of your life. But you can still be you. Yeah. Somebody who says to you that you're not allowed to share who you are has some issues to work out. Okay, and uh, I think we all have a right to speak. You may have to find a very appropriate and diplomatic way to speak about some things, but we all do have a right. If there's a relationship, there is a, there is a right. There is a, a, a platform for us to share each other's lives with, uh, with, it, with, lives with each other. And sure, you need to listen to, to them as well. Hey? And uh, that's really, really important. You just have to be you. Um, then there's sometimes, there's, there's things you can do to create doorways. Sometimes the doorways remain closed, but at least you can create doorways. Maybe last Australia Day, Joy and I did this <laughs> barbecue out the front of our place at, in, in Harndorf. And uh, we thought, oh, look, you know, life's busy. You know, we just don't have time to go to whole effort of cooking up stuff. And what we said, okay, look, what we're going to do is we're going to wheel the barbecue around from the backyard to the front yard, put it at the end of the driveway. We're going to cook some stuff on it. And we did this little quick letterbox drop up and down the street of about 15 houses in our street, saying, hey, Australia Day in the afternoon, 2pm, I can't remember what the time was. Anyway, we will be having a barbecue at the end of our driveway. Anybody in the street is welcome to join us. So that's all we did. I mean, we didn't prepare... Oh, big preparation, wheel the barbecue around the front. Yeah, that was... That, <laughs> Whew, the sweat on my brow. You know, that was... 
that wasn't a big deal, okay, to wheel the barbecue around the front. You know, that's all it took. Instead of having the barbecue in the backyard, we had the barbecue in the front yard and let everybody know, hey, by the way, you're welcome to just stop by and have a chat. And I reckon six or seven of the 15 houses, about six or seven, yeah, there was someone from about six or seven of those houses, nearly half those houses, dropped in and some just for a few minutes and some others sat there and yacked for two hours, you know. Now, nobody was saved that day, okay, and I don't know of anyone, any of them that's been saved since, but we have some doors, doorways, yeah? And now, when I... The bloke two, two houses down, he lives... I didn't even know he lived in my street. I'd seen him in, around Handorf before. I didn't even know he lived in my street. There you go, you know? But now I walk past him. Oh, g'day. Yep, how you doing? And every now and again, there's a bit more. Oh, yeah, how's your week been? Okay, like I said, he hasn't got saved yet. And I'm not Greg Hart, you know? But... The door's open. He knows me. He knows who I am. I know who he is. And, you know, who, who knows where the next conversation's going. Actually, the biggest results out of that barbecue for me personally was the lady who lives down the end of the street, who is a Christian, found out that I teach at a Bible college. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, so every t- not every time, but a number of times I've walked past her house. She's been in the front. She's kind of, oh, John, how are you going? And Oh, look, I was reading in Job the other day. And so hence, you know, the next 10 minutes we stand there discussing Job chapter 42 or whatever it was because she knows I, I work in a Bible college, you know. Eh, okay, I'm, I'm, that's it's part of making disciples. Well, it uh, wasn't quite what I had in mind, but, you know, that, that lady is, is going somewhere as a result of that. And, and who knows what other conversations may come up. Uh, I, I'm not... I do not find starting conversations easily, uh, easy. Okay? I'm just not that kind of person. You put me up here with a microphone and, and, and a lectern to stand behind and I will quite confidently talk about what the Bible says. That's my job. You know, I, I do that easily. But in a social setting, just starting a conversation, and uh, not me, it's, it's hard. Okay? It's, not where, it's not one of my talents. But the doors are open now. There's a bunch of people in that street who actually know I live there, which is a really big step forward because a couple of months after I moved in, in, in there at Willow Inn, Handorf, a, a policeman rolled up in the front of the, front of the place, got out, said, oh, um, just had a report of some, somebody strange, looking suspicious stuff around your house. Oh, well, I haven't seen anybody. Oh, you mind me checking the backyard? So I went in the backyard with the policeman, looked around. No, nothing's missing. He looked over the fence. No, no signs of anyone making it over the back fence. He said, oh, hang on a minute. We went out the front. He looked, and looked at the report on his computer and he looked at me. He says, do you have a brown beanie? <laughs> I was the strange person acting suspiciously. <laughs> yeah. One of my lovely neighbours who didn't know me from a bar of soap, didn't even know I lived there, thought it was really strange that I suddenly took a, a lefty up the driveway of that house and went round the back and they're going, oh, what's that guy doing? <laughs> we have come a long way since then, okay? Yeah? There's some doors that are a little bit open. They actually know who I am. They know I live there. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah. Look, I could go on and on and on. But really what I'm saying is that being a Christian is seven days a week and that means you just be who you are. Yeah, if you haven't got that sales thing, don't worry about it. Just be who you are. Think of things you don't even have to make massive efforts, even if it's just 
the effort it takes to wheel the barbecue from around the back to around the front, you can open a door with that. So be creative. Think of a few things you can do that can just open the door. Think about, well, the first step is just opening a door, creating a link, creating a, the possibility for a relationship to, to develop. And then from there, you know, you just need to share your life with people. And you'll become not just a disciple, but a maker of disciples.